What's going on, folks? This is Daryl, your host of Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast, the podcast where we discuss issues that impact black and millennial communities, all while having a good drink. So, lately, I've been trying a ton of new wines, new whiskeys, but what I've neglected to do is engage with the staple American whiskey, Jack Daniels, until today. Today, I am working with Old Number 7. If you know it, it's the basic black and white, no frills, American whiskey of Jack Daniels. And it's nothing to write home about, nor is it anything to make you cringe. It's just a basic whiskey that you can find everywhere in the United States, internationally. It's not hard to find. Um, yeah. It's cool if you want something to keep stocked at the house, but don't want it to be an Evan Williams or something like that, grab it, but I'm not impressed. It's just blah. Before we start, I want to take the opportunity to shout out Rick Ross. I'm recording this episode the day before it drops. And on this day, 10 years ago, one of my favorite Rick Ross albums dropped. It was Teflon Don. I've got some great memories from it. Had a lot of fun toward the, um, toward the end of my college career listening to it. I remember my ace, my line brother, my roommate, my vice president of a couple of organizations, Doe's and I used to just rock out to it in our apartment um so yeah good music shout out to ross this actually was the album where i feel like he transformed into his more entrepreneurial side like he was always a hustler you know first track was hustling but when he really started thinking about the tax implications that come and the tax benefits that come with owning businesses and the way you can maneuver through society in an economically advantageous way he his music changed his message changed so yeah this was a, a really good album so yeah shout out to ross 10 years toast per usual i'm here discussing issues that impact black and millennial communities but today I really want to touch on the intersectionality of the two. Today, I am talking about the fact that as opposed to fighting racism on different sides, we should unify to combat classism because that is our most true opponent. Now, I will be the first to say that before everything else within America, I am a black man. I am not a middle class man first who happens to be black. I am not an educated man first who happens to have melanin or a high concentration of melanin in his skin. I am first a black man all of those things come secondary. I was born a black man. I will die a black man, no matter how much money I do or don't have. 
all of that being considered, the reason that my race must take precedent over my class is because America made it that way. Once America decided that it would build itself on the genocide of the Native American and on the backs of the black man and woman, on the rape of the black woman, on the murder and brutality of the black body, at that point, my money held no weight because I was not afforded the opportunity to earn money. I was sold for money, and therefore, money comes secondary to my race. But I also have a strong understanding of the fact that I have more in common with a middle-class, educated white man than that white man has with someone in the top 1% or even 10% of wealth hoarders in the United States of America. That understanding has led me to this episode. And this episode is titled, Classism. A war worth fighting. Racism has been around because humans created racism. God didn't say, you know what, that person looks different than you. They have a different or more or less melanin than you. They have different facial features. Their hair is a different texture. You should not like that person for that reason. The basis of any discrimination that was put into place by a spiritual entity has always been based upon morality and values it's never been based upon the external so i'm going to jump into what qualifies me to speak on this topic and just give some context historically so that i can then speak on the contemporary issue at hand historically or actually let me backtrack most people who know me know I went to school for marketing. Cool. You know, that's that's the way I carry myself. That is a big part of my personality. People see me as entrepreneurial and as an entrepreneur. That's wonderful. I love it. Um, but what many people do not know is that I have a degree in African American studies. In order to engage in studying African American culture, society, economics, spirituality, um, you have to understand and have an understanding of the broader American culture, society, spirituality, or should I say religion and religiosity that has become America. And so I would like to provide a little bit of historical context to how racism seems to supersede classism within our nation's narrative but in actuality what we have to understand is racism is just a smokescreen so we're going to go back to reconstruction uh, the period about 15 20 years following the civil war or following the end of the civil war in which africans who were in, once were enslaved are now set free and you have a mirror of what has happened today and the argument we're having today when we're talking about 
um, and I'm putting air quotations around this, illegal immigrants and illegal immigration and undocumented human beings, which how can you be an illegal human being? Um, I can understand the term undocumented because, okay, that on the surface level makes sense. But to be illegal as a human being, mm, not so much. So right now, we'll put it into, I, I will take the historic context and put it into terms of, uh, into terms that we can more so relate to today. So you have hundreds of thousands of recently freed, very skilled workers who now can compete for jobs with lower class white men and white women ultimately threatening their lifestyle and their livelihood. That is scary. Much like right now, you have hundreds of thousands of people migrating to the United States who would not take for granted the freedoms that we often take for granted. And they're willing to work much harder than we are. Thus, we feel threatened. And that threat turns to fear. That fear turns to hate. Um, and that's why the orange idiot is in the White House right now. Because he has harnessed that hate against brown people. So you can't, you can't harness hate in public against tax-paying black people because that's politically incorrect. It is not on paper illegal for me to be a black person in the United States of America. Now, is it seen as illegal in society for me to own a gun, even if it is a legal firearm, just because of the social constructs we've built? Certainly. But you can't say that. What you can say is that human is not documented in this country and they are illegal and we don't like illegal stuff. And if these humans are illegal and we don't like them, then that's justifiable. Um, so the thing is, for the hundred plus years or not even, excuse me, nope, not even a hundred years of the United States being an actual nation. There were white citizens who were seen as fully fledged landowning citizens who now have to compete with newly freed enslaved Africans and they didn't like that um, because it reminded them that they are at the bottom rung competing with someone else who is also at the bottom rung of society. In order to, to fuel, in order to fuel the fire, the rich white people said, hey, you know what, Let, let's have these poor people, whether black or white, fight against one another and distract them. Let's tell them, the poor white people, they're on the same level as we are, the rich white people, the black people are your enemy. And whole time, these rich white people are sitting here taking pieces of the pie while we fight amongst each other for one slice they're taking eight out of the nine what kind of sense does that make why are we fighting one another for resources that neither of us have while someone continues to hoard the resources that neither of us have ever had but that we all work 
much harder for it than those who hold them. These are the things that we need to be discussing. Yes, police brutality matters. Yes, racism matters. Yes, sexism and homophobia matter. But these are things that are, these are smoke screens put in front of us so that we are distracted and not focused on the fact that we are being used as puppets in this larger scheme of things. I have more in common with my white male friends and white female friends from college than they have in common with a Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or a uh, Mark Zuckerberg. But the thing is, because they're white, they're like, well, maybe I'll get to that level. Chances are slim to none. We cannot comprehend the amount of wealth that these people have. It's unfathomable. I, we can see the numbers, but I had, a, I, had a, I had a conversation with my friend Ramona today about it. Jeff Bezos, if he hasn't hit it yet, is on track to hit a trillion dollars by whatever the end of this pandemic looks like. I think he's hit it already, though. A trillion dollars is a thousand billion. A trillion dollars is a million million. And a trillion dollars is a billion thousands. Like, to really understand that is to look at things in terms of minutes, seconds, hours, and days. And that's just unfathomable. It's as if, if we were to put it in terms of time, for every year we have, no, excuse me, let me flip it back. For every second we have, he has a year. Like that's, that's essentially the equivalent. Because they say time is money. So that, there you go. There you have it. For every second we have, he has a year. That's not right. That is hoarding. That is greedy. And at a certain point, it's damn near sinful. But because you're white, you think, gosh, I can get there too. Because we, we have something in common. We have this white skin. That white skin don't mean shit. It means nothing in comparison to the money that he has because for him, you are the equivalent of me. And that's why we have to look at things from a different lens and realize those middle class and, and poor people have to band together to create equal opportunity for generations to come or our children and their children and their children will be in the same position that our ancestors were in in 1869 fighting one another when they really needed to be pulling down the system of wealth hoarders um but yeah this isn't a long episode this really is just me letting my brothers and sisters across the human spectrum know we got to stop focusing on this race thing like we we do have to fight racism but we cannot allow fighting racism to keep us from fighting classism and this caste system that has perpetuated itself over the past 
nearly 500 years in, in what they found as the New World, which we all know isn't the New World. And there were natives here long before. Hopefully there will be natives here long after. Um, but yeah, that's it for today. That's all I got. Thank you all for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, engage with me on Instagram, leave reviews, leave ratings. And I'll catch you again next week, same time, same place. Oh, by the way, I am closing out the, uh, the first season. So next week will be my last episode of season one. I appreciate y'all for rocking with me. I've got some amazing ideas for what season two is going to sound like, look like. And if you would like to continue getting content that will not be put out during the one month break, check me out on Patreon. And I've got a whole channel dedicated to keeping you all engaged during the break as well as during the regular seasons. All right. Catch y'all again next week. Same time, same place. Peace.